Hi, this is Michelle Weidenbenner, your Chief Hope Builder. I am the author of Mom's Letting Go Without Giving Up, Seven Steps to Self-Recovery. You can download that for free at momslettinggo.com. Welcome to the podcast that will help you feel at least 15% better. Feel free to join our Facebook private group, Mom's Letting Go, also, and surround yourself with other moms who understand your pain. If you would like to take your journey into a deeper accountability and recovery for yourself, join us at momslettinggo.teachable.com where we have a subscription membership. We have a tribe of moms who are all together in support groups and coaching and we study together and grow together and we are going to write a book together so that we can help other moms come into recovery with hope and determination and a way to find their own identity and recapture their purpose that they lose in the throes of dealing with an addicted loved one. If you find this podcast helpful, please subscribe and leave us a review because that's how other moms will be able to find us too. God bless. Hi, welcome to Moms Letting Go Without Giving Up. This is Michelle, your Chief Hope Builder. And today I have Heather Carter here. She calls herself the Soul Selfie. And we're going to hear about that in just a little bit. She's an independent fiction author who writes adult fantasy and fantasy romance. So this is from her website, which is from heathercarterwrites.com if you want to go. Um, So why soul selfie? And she says, because I have wasted way too much time looking outward, taking pictures of other people's behavior and either judging it or trying to imitate it. Cancer and writing have been my cues to tap on that little icon on my iPhone camera and flip the focus back on myself. I write a lot about cancer, addiction and diseases of the soul. Diseases like worry, fear, control, comparison, resentment just to name a few. Apparently, I am not the only one who has them. I used to worry that when my cancer went into remission, my writing would go into remission with it. But since the diseases of the soul, the common plagues of the heart, as I call them, are chronic, it seems I will never run out of material. She says when she was talking to her sister-in-law a few months ago, her sister-in-law said, it's like God used her cancer to root out a cancer in her that had nothing to do with the cancer. And uh, I thought, oh my gosh, that's so good. And um, please welcome Heather Carter writes or Heather Carter at heathercarterwrites.com. Thank you for coming today. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm kind of laughing because I'm, this is probably user error and that's why, um, you know, I write the way I write because I kind of am self-deprecating and, and tend to do some things that are spacey sometimes. So when you said I write romance or fantasy, I'm like, what? <laughs> I, I don't know. I probably marked that on Amazon accidentally or something, but I don't write any of that. So don't You don't anymore? Oh, no, I never did. I don't know if it doesn't. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. There's another Heather Carter out there and she writes. Oh, well, 
at least the other stuff was all that was all correct but the fantasy stuff is not <laughs> and it, you probably don't want to read my fantasy stuff or my romance <laughs> ideas <laughs> i should share my screen and show you well it was funny because i'm like wow this doesn't even really look like the same person but some of it um you know sounded like it was from the soul and i thought yeah. wow she is multi-talented yeah. so there's another heather carter please yeah. disregard that but your your website is heather carter carter writes though right yeah. that yep. I'm, okay. I'm, those other things are all true but that one i was like oh well that'll be interesting <laughs> <laughs> so tell me um a little bit about your story and how long ago um were you diagnosed and then um mm -hmm. How you found hope and all that yes well i yes in 2015 i was diagnosed with acute myeloid leukemia mm -hmm. and uh, i never you know i'd heard of leukemia but i didn't really know that i didn't even really know it was cancer at first i don't think i was just kind of in shock they call i had some been having some symptoms that's a whole long story we don't have time for but the day i was diagnosed um i got blood work at 11 in the morning by four o'clock they told me they called me on the phone and told me that I had leukemia and they had a bed for me at the hospital. I should come there immediately. So within an hour, I was in the hospital and on and hooked up to machines. And by the, on the way there, I remember asking my husband, how long do you think I'm going to be there? I didn't pack or anything. I don't know what, what I was going to do. And he said, 30 days, like, excuse me. He so said, he That's knew. Yeah, he had called the doctors. He had called the doctors back. I didn't ask any questions because I was kind of in shock. Yeah. I went straight into let me get myself a good doctor mode. I didn't really know what was happening. So he had called and found that out. So, you know, it's not like other cancers where you get to, well, okay, let's make a plan. Right. You know, it was like get our kids somewhere quick. Yeah. Go to the hospital. You don't get to you don't get the nice um, doctor sitting down to break this news to you. It's just like, you have leukemia. We don't have time to talk about this. Do not pass go, do not collect $200. Wow. Just yeah. go straight to the hospital. And um, <clears throat> I ended up being there for 35 days because towards the end of the time, I got a secondary infection and was intubated in an ICU for about a week. And uh, they flew oh. my son home from California from he was in college and um I don't think my younger kids ever saw me because I looked pretty terrifying yeah. just all all the tubes and everything hooked up and so uh so how old were your out. other how old were your other children at the time they were I think I want to say 12 and 13 and uh so you have to reach three children yep my oldest it was his freshman year of college he went to school in California so they brought him home and, uh, but I, you know, by the grace of God and some sound medical advice from my husband, who is not a doctor, who did some <laughs> research. Googling research and, and, and suggested they give me this particular shot to help boost my immune system. And they did. And a couple of days later, I woke up. So I always tell him you had your chance, buddy. So you, you know, you could have just let me Go, oh, now right. I don't want to hear any whining. <laughs> you're stuck with me, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> had your shot. Could have just oh. looked the other way. <laughs> so, well, what? Just so the listeners understand too, like what what really struck me um, with Heather was that she is a hope builder, like like we are in our group, and it doesn't matter if it's addiction, if it's 
mm-hmm. cancer, it's coping with the worry and coping with, oh, just what the hands you're dealt, right? And I thought, mm-hmm. I gotta, I gotta bring her in and mm-hmm. hear what she has to say about, you know, her writing and how um, it kept her going, but also because I think sometimes moms who have addicted children, I'm always recommending that they journal. And um, yes. so maybe you could speak into a, a few of those parallels for us. Yes. Um, well, when I first was in the hospital, I started, my husband set up a blog site for me so that we could update people on the status of my cancer. And that pretty quickly morphed into me writing about the status of my soul, because there was a lot going on, obviously fears and worries, but also what was interesting to me as, as I started processing out loud or on paper with myself and with God, it really was a conversation between me and God that ended up um, coming out as more like a daily reading type of blog and other people would read it. And then they would say, I feel kind of bad because you're the one with cancer, but I'm the one I feel encouraged by hearing your hope and your, how you're turning this over to God. And I do have, um, you know, I talk about that. I write a lot about addiction. I have a lot of that in my family history. I have family members in treatment currently at the time um, in my immediate family, there was some struggles with addiction. So we were dealing with and battling alcoholism. And then I got leukemia. So at the same time, and you probably can understand if a person is bent towards a particular coping mechanism, and then the worst thing you can think of happens to someone you love, then that thing just shoots up. Sure. Yeah. So we were simultaneously dealing with what I consider the two worst diseases in the country and cancer and addiction right. at the same time. Right. So if I didn't start talking to God and writing about this and processing it, I knew I was going under um, in my spirit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it is such a spiritual work, <clears throat> isn't it? Like, yeah. So yeah. Can people go someplace and read your blog? Mm-hmm. Um, if you go to the heathercarterwrites.com, okay. I would recommend people go, it says browse by archives, then you can go back to 2015 is when I started writing and I've um, compiled the first 120 blogs that I wrote, <clears throat> which is primarily during the time when I had active leukemia going on. And so it will refer to those, t- those types of situations but it's not about, in the end, it's all about the common plagues of the heart, the worry, the fear, the right. surrender, the trust, the faith. So that really extends to everybody in any circumstance. Um, so that's in my first book called Soul Selfie. And then my second book is Soul Selfie, hashtag no filter. And it's just the next chunk of posts that I wrote. I write once or twice, uh, once a week, probably. And every one of those um, has been compiled into a book, except for maybe there's about 60 current ones that aren't in a book. So people can sign up to have those emailed to their email when I write. I just wrote one that's going to be published tomorrow. So it'll just get emailed to someone. Gotcha. So you do have (laughs) books at Amazon and they are Mm -hmm. Soul Selfie. Yep. And Soul Selfie number two. Hashtag, Hashtag no filter. Oh yeah. Yeah. You said that. No filter. Okay. Hashtag no filter. Oh, good. 
Good. So, yeah, so there's um, this is my first one, and then this is my second one that just came out in November. Okay. And um, you know, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. I, I really felt like when I was in the hospital, God said to me in no kind of a roundabout, not really roundabout way, pretty direct way, Heather, you are a full-time job and you need to <laughs> stop taking pictures of everybody else's behavior and trying to imitate it or judging it. And just you worry about yourself. You got some stuff to unravel. Oh. And so I just try to do that in my posts. I try to share in the messiness of what I'm going through at the time. I, uh, I was a pastor's wife for 20 years and I got into a habit of sharing in hindsight. Everything is like, oh, last year I had a struggle with unforgiveness, but I did this, this, and this, and ta-da, here I am all better. And now when I'm struggling with unforgiveness and I'm it's going around in my head. I'm feeling ugly and angry. Yeah. I think, oh, I need to go write a blog. And so yeah. I'll sit down and write about how I'm feeling today and kind of tell on myself and then try to process with God some solutions. By the end of each post, I have some solution for people, even though I don't practice it 100%. That's why I read my own book quite a bit. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, yeah, I forgot. I believe that. I forgot. Yes. To do that. Oh, um, so, so therapeutic. Yeah, it does. It helps me. And it's, mm -hmm. you know, people don't really care what I have to say when I come across or try to come across as perfect or having it all together. I did that yeah. for a long time and um, it didn't really help anybody and it didn't really help me to feel real. So yeah. this, this is a way that God and I reason things out and that it helps other people at the same time. Yeah, good. Yeah. <clears throat> and um, I do have a private Facebook group where moms can come in and mm. and share those kind of things right and and I think it is I know it's therapeutic for so many of us but um to to keep an ongoing journal to help yourself because I tell moms you can't keep focusing on what's happening to your addicted loved one you've got to keep track of how you are responding to that and what's happening to you as a result, because that's yeah. the only thing is what we have is us. Um, and that's just such a difficult concept, especially for moms, because we, we feel biologically connected to our kids. I mean, it's like we're wearing their DNA and they're wearing our DNA. And, and we sometimes can even intuitively know things about them. It, the bond is just very, very tight. Yeah. And so it's hard to separate that, especially for, for a lot of moms. So, um, so I guess, where do you find hope? Let me ask that. Where do you find hope? Well, first and foremost, just giving it over to God and surrendering the outcome of everything I go through to him. Uh, because, you know, one of the things I have learned, I go to Al-Anon. I've been going to Al-Anon for 10 years. And it has really supported my faith in God because I realized that, <clears throat> again, I mean, that whole message in Al-Anon is you, you, it is not your job mm -hmm. to fix anybody else and you can love them and support them, but your main priority is to take care of yourself and detach with love from your, from everyone, not just your addicted loved right. ones, but to detach with detach from owning their yeah. their detach. love from owning them or yeah or their... detachment is more just 
separating yourself spiritually and emotionally from other people. Right. So you can, so you can be okay even when people around you are not okay. Not. I write about that concept a lot in my wow. book. Um, and you know, you, it's interesting. You're talking about sharing your story and writing it down because I have several things going on right now, and it's. I want to just let the listeners know. You know, we did not talk about this. I didn't tell her any of that. And no. every one of those situations and podcasts and um, things that I'm getting ready to launch are all around your story. In fact, if you go to my site, the last two or three posts I've written have been specifically about writing your story down or saying it into your phone, somehow documenting your story, because I really believe that we go through what we go through so we can help others get through what we went through. And you can't, you may not be able to fix your loved one, but you can serve other people in the meantime. You can serve while they're still sick. You can serve while you're still sick. Um, You know, my first blog post in my first book Um, I got out of the hospital from ICU where I could not talk. I couldn't walk. I couldn't sit up, couldn't roll over by myself. I was 45 and went home with a walker and a shower chair. And that was March 2nd. My first post in my book is March 29th. I didn't know if I was going to live or not live, but I thought I'm not wasting this time wondering, waiting waiting for me to get better in order to start helping other people. And so you can do that too. If you're a a mom and you, there's probably not a lot you can do to help your loved one other than probably stay out of God's way. That's a big part of it. We, so as parents, we interfere and we just, you know, I know with my loved one, I just kept catching him right before he hit his bottom and then he would get a little better. And then I catch him again. He never hit his bottom until I just stood back and let him fall for a minute. And then God was there to right, do what to he pick needed to up. do. I yeah. just kept getting in the way. Because it's his journey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's so hard not to get in the way of God's journey sometimes. I have to share this with you. Okay. So this is a proof of my book that's coming out um, really soon. E- ebook uh, copies are available. But the reason I want to share that is in, it's a 30-day program. And in, not, in the first day, it's all about write your story. Mm -hmm. And so, because it's a journey. And so I say, here's your story. Now, this is where you've been. And in 30 days, we're going to transform you. What do you want your story to look like? And how, how Mm -hmm. do you want that to look different? So isn't that something um, that you and I both feel the same way? Um, And, and so when I first started doing what I'm doing, um, I was like, well, I'm only one person. I can't do anything. I mean, what can I do? Right. And I thought, yes, but if I can empower 1 million moms into writing their story and transforming and being like you, you know, all about themselves and their soul and their um, overcoming their worries and so on, but mm-hmm. they're finding their spiritual self too, then they can take their gifts, their spiritual gifts. And they can join in on fighting this epidemic. And so that's kind of what lights my fire is just to um, inspire other moms to get well so they can, you know, use who they are to, to go out there. And it might not even be in the addiction space, but it's doing something to help others. Um, this month in the tribe, we're talking about sowing seeds because it's spring, right? And um 
we talk about sowing seeds of encouragement in our addicted loved ones, because really, you know, that's, that's about, we can't do their life for them, but we can sow seeds of encouragement, but we can also sow seeds in people all around us to say, Hey, let's get together and, um, encourage each other and use our gifts to better the world. So anyway, boy, I kind of went off on that one, but you know, no, so you and, I, you and I, I agree wholeheartedly, you know, you, you have to, the only way that this disease can be redeemed is, is if we use it, what we've learned to help people who are going through the same stuff. And it is hard. I know that when I went to Al-Anon, <clears throat> I was a hot mess, cried every single time. I was so mad at so many people and my loved one and God and everybody. And, yeah. and, but I just kept going back and it just really helped me understand that there's, you know, they talk about that, you know, you, the disease, you, you didn't cause it, you can't cure it, you can't control it. But boy, was I working, I was working yeah. hard in all those areas trying to make it think it surely was my fault or, or it yeah. was his fault or her fault yeah. and um, trying to control it and fix it. And it, it just really never worked. And the sooner you can figure out that there's nothing you can do, right. the more you, God can get to work on your loved one and the more you can actually live a life. I mean, I have friends who, you know, they've been married to people who are still actively drinking for 20 years and they're very content and happy. And they're just like, you know, if it becomes time, then I'll do something. But for now I'm, I'm doing what I can and I'm enjoying my life and it's, it's possible. It's just yeah. you need to get around other people like and reading your, your, um, being part of your community, right? You got yeah. to do it in community for sure. You yeah. cannot do it by yourself. No, you yeah, that's that's such a good. Um, yeah, I'm such a strong advocate for find your community, and and it's almost like just our addicted loved ones. Their recovery is so individual; it's personal, and everybody recovers differently. It's the same for mom. So find the community that works for you, um, because everybody you know has a different. Uh, comfort level with what they want to do, what they're, they're willing to do. But um, so I guess how um, any, anything else that you can think of that would help inspire moms? Well, I think that reminding yourself that to pull God into every part of your daily life, you know, it's, it's hard to turn over the big stuff, but in some ways it's easier than giving in the little stuff yeah. because especially as people who are involved with addiction, <clears throat> the loved ones of addiction, we tend to be hyper trying to controlling and codependent and, you know, everything that's going on around us. We're having a good day. If our loved one's having a good day and we having a bad day, if they're having a bad day. Right. And I just think if we can, remember that, you know, I, I believe that we have to invite God into the drama, the trauma and the minutia of everyday life. Cause a lot of our day is just a lot of little things standing in yeah. line at the grocery store, yeah. doing a job. Maybe we don't love. And it's so tempting to 
just complain about those things or let our minds obsess yeah. about, uh, uh, let the squirrels run around and obsess about our loved one and what they're doing or when they're going to stop. And um, I, I have learned, especially through my leukemia journey, uh, sadly, you know, it was very easy for me to turn over cancer to God because I knew there was nothing I could do. Yeah, no, and, no control. But then all the other stuff, I'm like, oh, I got this. I don't want to, I don't want to bother God with this one. I can do this. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, with our loved ones, we have to turn that over hundred times a day, probably. And so when you say turn things over, like when you were talking about the squirrel and our thoughts, and sometimes, you know, they just race and they, it's almost like they play the same movie over and over again. Right. And, um, I don't know, I I'd be curious to know what you do, but one of the things I started doing to help ground me in the present is it seems like I always ruminate the most when I'm driving. <laughs> <laughs> and you know how you can just get somewhere and you're like, oh, I don't even remember going on that road and I'm already here. Like yeah. it's because we're, we're thinking about all these things and sometimes it's worry. Sometimes it's just our work. But, um, so I do something kind of weird, but I, I got it. I don't know if I learned it someplace, but I will look outside and I'll say things like the grass is green. Mm -hmm. Um, the air is not too foggy today. Or I'll talk about what I smell, what I taste. Um, I'll ground myself in the moment, in the present to all my senses around me. Like, oh, there's a red sign right there. And over there, there's a blue car. And sometimes I'll even say that out loud so that I will redirect all those ruminating thoughts. I yeah. guess that's redundant. But, you know, to, to just help me stop that stop, stop, stop that. Yeah. What do you do? Have you ever thought about it or tried to do something? Oh yeah. Yeah. There's all kinds of tricks probably, but yeah, I think that's um, a good one. My sponsor always says, keep your head with your hands. Oh, what's instead that? Of, so instead of, you know, if I'm doing dishes, I'm, my brain needs to think about doing dishes. You know, oh, if I'm driving my car, I like, it's something akin to what you said, like you yes. are very aware of what you are observing while you're driving your car. Maybe you could be like my grandparents and how, and actually my parents and now my husband and I are turning into that where you're like, you know, you read signs and billboards out loud, you know, and your kids are like, why are you reading that? <laughs> and maybe you could do that because then at least your brain is focused on yeah. where you are, the task at hand. So keeping your head with your hands, doing simple chores what we tend to do i was just reading about this um i don't know if you're familiar with melody Beatty. she yeah. does codependent no more and there's a daily reading book that's for us kind of codependent type of people it's really good for um family members of addiction uh family addicted family members um but she talked about how sometimes we are so obsessed about our our loved one that we were almost frozen and immobilized like we can't even do our dishes. We try to put our life on hold so we can just like somehow that's going to help for us to just obsess about what's going right. on with them. And so the solution really is to continue your routine, continue to, to do your dishes. And yeah. it sounds stupid, but think about your dishes. Right. I mean, I sometimes plan to think about other things while I'm doing something. Oh, I'm going to go to this, yeah. um, 
do this chore and while I'm doing it, I'll think about da 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 instead of just do what I'm doing, be where I am, you know, keep with my head with my hands. So, and people are going to laugh, but this is why I play pickleball. So, I started playing pickleball about the time when things got pretty difficult in our family and we ended up guardianship of our grandkids. And um, it was just a stressful time because we thought we were going to be retired and we had kids who were, who felt uh, abandoned, um, who were embarrassed by their parents, their parents who still weren't in, still were at that time in active addiction. And I just, needed something. So my husband and I started playing pickleball. And so it's kind of like you said, and I never thought about it till just now, when I'm out there, all I can do is think about the score where the ball is, where I'm going to take the ball, if I'm going to actually swing and hit it or miss it, um, where my partner is, just all those things. And I can go out there for two hours. When I come off the court, it's like, oh yeah, I forgot about all of this. And all of this over here, it is so therapeutic. But anyway, I'm always plugging for pickleball. Most people who know me know that. Um, and and I'm a, a huge fan of Brene Brown. And so I started listening to Unlocking Us. Yeah. And I'm like, what? She plays pickleball. I so want to go play with and her. I knew we were soulmates. <laughs> yes, yes. And so last week, my brother sends me this text, one of my brothers, one of my five brothers and says, mm. you know, have you ever listened to Brene Brown? Boy, she really reminds me of you. And I'm like, okay. Oh, you're like, thank you. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, gosh. Anyway, that was funny. Oh, that's a great compliment. Well, yeah. I think what you're saying is that is very true. You do something that keeps your brain active. But one of the things I hadn't thought about until you said that is try to do something that requires you to show up, like join a league where you are expected to show up at a certain time and someone is depending on you. Because I know in those times, if someone wasn't depending on me to show up to play pickleball, I'd be like, forget it. I'm just going to sit home and think about how my life sucks right now and how my you know why is my life I don't want to see anybody else because everyone's life is perfect except mine I'm pretty sure you know you just wow go crazy so to have someone who expects you to you know set appointments and show up for them will really keep you from that falling into that self-pity that's a huge one is getting outside of yourself um one of the things I talked about in leukemia and also when I was going through the addiction phase in my family is to that we're all waiting for this thing to end. We don't know when it's coming and it's a long lot of waiting and I'm a terrible waiter. And, um, but I talked about that waiting on is what we do while we're waiting for. So find someone to serve, find somewhere to serve, get outside your own self. Someone else needs to hear from you. Someone else who's suffering like you're suffering needs to hear your story and you might not be that far ahead of them. You know, I didn't, wasn't, I didn't even know if I was going to live from leukemia. I didn't know if my family member was ever going to get sober, but I still would make phone calls to newcomers in Al-Anon and say, you know what? I know how you feel. I'd call pe- oh. new patients who have leukemia and say, I know exactly you. what you feel. And that's huge. And someone needs to hear that from you today. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's so good. Wow, we are soul sisters. 
<laughs> for sure on the yep. same on the same you page me and that. Brene yes you me yes we should do a a trio <laughs> podcast right yeah I'm yeah. sure she'll join us just like yes that. <laughs> we'll just have to we'll just have to call her right up I yeah. actually wanted to send her something and I was trying to get through to her how do you you know I've I've texted and emailed and instagrammed everybody I can think of like that <laughs> But you know they're not actually looking at it. So God, I, God forbid. I just never. I'm obviously not like Brene Brown, <laughs> but I don't want to ever be someone who doesn't answer when people need to find me. In fact, yeah. my if someone does want to talk to me, now it might take me a couple of days because I don't check my email very often. I try not to because I get sucked in. But um, my email is on my website. So if someone wants to email me, if you're struggling, if you want to chat. Yeah, it's okay. Heather Carter soul selfie at Gmail. It's not complicated and right. I will answer you. So I want to be that kind of a person for people yeah. because you know, yeah, otherwise, why is this important? If you can never even talk to me, who cares what I have to say? Yeah. And I think for her, it's probably just um, self-preservation because she oh, yeah. can't, there's millions of people who yeah, want to talk she to can't her. Do it all. <laughs> yeah. I kind of, I yeah. kind of get that, but well, thank you so much today, Heather, for, um, for just connecting with me on LinkedIn and being willing to come and share a part, just a tiny piece of your story. I did see on your website though, you have these little icons and then a person's name under them with individual stories. So maybe you can just, before we go, tell us, you know, are you, are you sometimes looking for people to share their stories on your blog or is that um, well, those those particular ones were ones I did right before my book was released, and they're called Soul Selfie Stories. And they would pick a specific blog, and we would, I would introduce them, and then we would talk about that how that particular one spoke to them, and then I would at the end plug or you know anything that they wanted if they're working on something or they're writing or they're whatever they wanted, we'd put that in there. So it kind of encouraged whatever they support as well. But I am actually getting ready to, um, I think, do my own podcast that is basically like that, where you just, right. you know, if there's a specific entry, because they're all written like daily readings, which is about as much as my brain can handle. That's why I write that way. So I don't want people to think, well, you know, when I'm ready to read my next book, I'll pick up her book because it's not like that. It's if you've read any um, like Hazelden literature, yeah, um, Al-Anon or um, AA, it's written kind of like that. It's a daily okay. reading type of book. You just pick one up, read it, try to do a little of it, little what it says, and then do the next one the next day. It's next not step. plow through and on the beach because no. otherwise you're not going to try no. to do any of it. And that's right. not why I write. So yeah. It, you can't possibly absorb it all and do it all in that in yeah. a short amount of time. So those stories would encourage Science. people if they watch them. They're sure. um, on YouTube and they're okay. in my site, but um, I will soon and I will be asking for stories. So Okay. I think that's good. a great idea. Everybody loves to hear other people's stories. Mm -hmm. We find hope in those. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'll include that in the show notes, mm -hmm. but thank you so much for coming today. And um, I look forward to keeping in touch. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. I'm really glad this worked out. So we'll have to do it again. Okay, God bless. Bye.